and it's definitely going to go through uh, the message. So I, I know not every one of you know our family. I have a, a middle, our middle child, Trevor, is, is in college at Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Trevor's in his last year, and uh, what, you, what you wouldn't know uh, is that Trevor went to, back to college his second semester, last, last semester of, of school without enough money, not, not having any idea how he was going to pay for this second semester. Um, we sat and talked while he was back for Christmas vacation, and um, I, think, I think what he was hoping to hear from his dad was, don't worry about it, man, we'll take care of you. But that's not what his dad said. Sat down and said, man, we will, we will step in when we need to, but this is the time where you get to see the Lord work. There was a way that the Lord provided for his, um, his first payment at the end of, uh, right at the beginning of January, the beginning of this semester. I talked to him this morning, or I talked to him earlier this week, excuse me, and I said, hey man, how's that second payment looking? And he said, I'm $900 short. And I said, well, then let's just, let's keep praying. I'm going to start off the, the message by sharing a message that he sent to Jamie and I uh, this week, uh, just, actually just yesterday. Trent, is, it's got to go way up because I don't think the volume is going to be real loud, but we'll try it. Hey, just wanted to update you on um, just everything that's been going on. Um, so tuition was due, is due today or Sunday um, and just waiting for everything to come in. And I've been praying for a long time for money to come in and just like God to provide um, for me. Um, I kept Quoting verses back to God and just like saying, you know, like you'll provide for me and I know you will. Um, but I just, I still had some doubts of how that would happen. Um, and I got to go to Converge last weekend. Um, and one of the songs, I believe it was called Faithfulness. Uh, it's, he won't uh, is in parentheses after that. Um, but during that song, it talks about, you know, he's been faithful through all of the ages and he won't stop now. Like he's not gonna not be faithful anymore. And um, I, in the middle of the song, I just started crying because it's like, I mean, who am I to think that me, you know, like a 21 year old in one year, one month needing, you know, a few hundred dollars to be able to pay tuition. And I'm doubting God who's been faithful for thousands of years. Um, and I was just very overwhelmed with, you know, my thoughts of just how stupid I am to ever doubt God. Um, so basically I just said, all right, God, I don't, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you will because you've been faithful. And, um, I shared with our college group. We had about 20 people that went, um, and I got to share with them my heart and, didn't really think anything of it, but I was like, all right, God, you're going to take care of me. Um, and I was excited to see how it would, how it would play out. And this past Wednesday, I went to church, um, and my college pastor took me aside and he said, hey, um, he led me down a hallway and he said, he just handed me a, a check, or not a check, uh, he handed me an envelope with my name on it. And he said, somebody from the church just dropped by and uh, dropped this off for you. 
And he said, I know, you know what it is, and then just walked away. And I was just completely stunned and looked inside and it was $1,100, just some person in the church. And then I was, I got to go deposit that yesterday um, with my, uh, at my, at Bob Jones and um, thought I, I'll just stop at my mailbox real quick just to check up on what's there. Um, and there are three things. Uh, one, one was from Mount Carmel. Uh, Dave and Judy Guzzi sent me $50. And I was like, oh, like, thank you, God. I, you know, I was just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know what to say. And then um, another check uh, from somebody else that just said, hey, I'm lo I love you and I'm thinking of, thinking of you. And it was $2,000. I was, I, yeah, I didn't really know what to say, didn't know what to do. I was like, holy cow, and God doesn't provide just what I need, but he just shows me that he's more than what I need, and like, he'll provide for me, so I was, yeah, this week has been really, really cool of just seeing how God works in my life, and yeah, so very thankful for everything. Um, that God did. So, yeah. Love y'all. See ya. And and here's here's a dad getting to see his son, getting to experience the work of the Father. And what we're going to talk about today is we're going to realize that if you if you're joining us for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, we've 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 started a journey through the book of Exodus and, and where we're at right now is the people of God are enslaved. They are um, having the baby boys aborted. They're having the baby, they're having any of the boys at a certain age thrown into the Nile River. It's really bad. And in the middle of it, uh, it seems like what in the world's going on, but it's not outside of the realm of what God knows, and I'm not going to read the verses behind me because we've looked at them the first two weeks that we've gone through this, but this this is a fulfillment of what God already knew was going to take place. He said hundreds of years earlier, you're going to be a land that's not your own. You're going to be, you're going to be a servant. You're going to be afflicted. But I will bring you back. That's what, that's what God has made it very clear. And, and I think it's important for us to, to be reminded today that, as Aaron said, I don't know what's going on in your life, but, but here's what you have to realize is that God's not unaware of what's taking place in your life. And, and we're going to get to this place and we'll get to see it. It's what Trevor just got to experience. When we're in the middle of the chaos, when we're in the middle of the struggle, we can't see. We feel abandoned. We feel alone. We feel defeated. We feel discouraged. We feel forgotten. And we even feel forsaken in the middle but there's going to be a time and again this is where trevor got to step back in that video he's now on this side looking back and saying man i didn't know how god was working but now that i'm here on the other side i can clearly see the ways that god has worked 
We have the scripture. We, we know how everything plays out. What we have to be reminded of is as we read, we're, we're, reading, we're, we're not reading the day-to-day struggles that Moses is writing of. Moses is writing the book of Exodus, looking down the corridor of what God has already done. And so he's, he's writing from this vantage point of not just this is the chaos that is going on. He's writing this is the chaos that we had to go through that God has brought us out from. And so last week we looked at Moses' birth and today we're going to go into some of the chaos of Moses' life at the age of 40. As we read, let me remind you, we're reading to do more than just see Moses's life we're looking for echoes of exodus throughout the scriptures and we're looking for connections back to Christ so join me if you would in exodus chapter 2 verse number 11 exodus chapter 2 verse number 11 says this one day when Moses had grown up he went out to his people and looked on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his people He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now go back up to verse 11, and let's just kind of, let's walk through this just a little bit. I want to point out a couple of things that are important as we move forward. It says in verse 11, it begins, one day when Moses had grown up. Now those words grown up, we kind of understand. Moses has has grown in physical stature but that's not all that that word means it also means that he has grown strong because that's translated strong many times throughout the scripture so moses not only became an older man we know that because he was at the age of 40 but he's also grown in prominence and strength as a ruler in the land of egypt so we take this dual understanding of what moses has he has increased And yet it says that he went out to see his people. Now, the, the text doesn't tell us how Moses knows these are his people. If I had to guess, and I'm sure some of you would would think the same thing if you remember when moses was found by the egyptian princess he was given back to his mother and his mother when she took him she knew i have a limited amount of time to get into the mind of this boy who he is who his people are and what his purpose is who he is who his people are and what his purpose is So that way, when he goes into the palace where it's not his people, he remembers who he is and he remembers what his purpose is. And I I would say I would really love to encourage you moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas who have influence over your children. You also have a limited amount of time to teach your children who they are in Christ. Who the people of God are. 
and what their purpose is. Because there will come a time where your children, and it may be at a younger age, it may be at a middle age, meaning teenage, it may be a little bit after that, but at some point your children are going to walk into a world and they are going to be surrounded by people who are not like them, who do not think like them, and who do not have the same purpose of them that they do. And then the question is, are your children going to embrace the world in which they live, or are they going to stay true to who you taught them to be in Christ with their people for their purpose? We know that we are not supposed to live outside of the world. No, we are in the world, but what does Jesus say? We're not to be of the world. So while Christians live in the world, we're not to be of the world and it's by living selfless lives we're to point the world to their deliverer because they don't know who they are in christ as you keep reading it says it says moses went out to his people and he looked on their burdens and moses saw his people and he saw their burdens and he thinks i have been given a purpose and so he steps in to defend his brother and and, and i'm sure in my mind I, honestly i do this but i really don't think this is the first time moses goes out to see his people i believe this would be a regular routine where moses would go out he would see his people he has seen their affliction his mother has convinced him there's a special purpose in your life moses and now when he sees this added affliction he wants to step in and do something about it and he kills a man and just for a moment we have an echo think back to genesis the last time a man killed a man thinking nobody had seen it we have cain and we have abel and as god comes to cain after he kills his brother abel abel's response to the lord was what am, am i my brother's keeper but here we have moses killing a man because he's trying to be his brother's keeper kills him and then he hides him now right here there's there's many people many many preachers many sermons and i understand them all where they would say moses went about it the wrong way at the wrong time but he, here's the truth we don't see that in scripture and remember moses is writing from back here looking back moses had every opportunity led by the holy spirit to write in here but he went about it the wrong way or he went about it the wrong time but we don't see that in fact what we do find later on in scriptures in the book of hebrews is we see moses commended for his faith for going out and saying i'm no longer going to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter i'm going to be associated with my people he's com commended for that and so i think after studying this i think we are very quick to blame moses for something and it's too easily dismissive of the facts that the hearts of the people that moses was supposed to lead simply weren't ready to be led in faith yet because if you see what the man that Moses went to the next day, what he says to Moses in return, he says, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? This is 
They're not just questioning Moses now. They're questioning the person who gave Moses his authority. And we already know the person that gave Moses his authority is the same person who made sure that that basket got to the Egyptian princess, made sure that Egyptian princess gave gave that baby back to Moses' mother and has been with Moses the entire time. Who gave Moses the, the power and authority over the people of God? Well, God did. But this man is is questioning Moses. And so I wonder if this this event, which leads to Moses' departure from from the place of Egypt, was not because Moses was approaching it the wrong way, but rather God simply knew these people aren't ready to be led yet. And if you've read the first couple books of the Bible before, you, you know that when, when, we, when we read about the nation of Israel going through the wilderness, they were a complaining people. They were a very hard-hearted people. And so maybe it wasn't Moses' heart that was wrong in this situation. Maybe it was the people's. And honestly, I think that's the way it goes in life a lot. When you have a spouse, when you have a, a wife complain about her husband, I can I can tell you a lot of times it has a lot to do with that wife's heart. When you look at a husband who wants to only complain about his wife and complain about his boss and complain about this, you know, a lot of times all you really need to do in is zero in on that man's heart and realize, you know, you're looking at all the people around you and pointing to them as the problem and you're missing the fact that your heart is not right. When, when children complain about their parents, and I overheard one yesterday, and oh, my, my thought was like, if you only understood, you're complaining about the people who have done more for you in this world than anyone else. Are you kidding me? Don't you see? It's not your parents who are the problem. It's your heart that's the problem. But see, we, we struggle with that as Christians as well when we think about God. We're so quick to complain, like, again, as Aaron mentioned, we're so quick to complain about this problem is going on in my life. Can can I encourage you, the next time you are struggling with something, take out a piece of paper and and put put two headings on that column. And on the, the one side, write what God has done for me. And on the next side, write what I have done for God. And you tell me which one goes longer. Then flip that paper over and put two more headings at the top and write how God has failed me and then let's write how I have failed God. Now remind me of your complaint. See, that's, that's so often where we, we struggle to, to realize we see what God is, we, we, we fail to see what God is doing and we only focus on what God is not doing and that often happens when we're in the middle. This is, this is where faith comes in to realize I'm struggling here but I have, faith that I, I have faith that I will end up here and when I end up here and turn around and look, I'm gonna go, wow. So while you're in the middle of it, realize the end is coming. Moses, he's, he's writing here and he talks about leaving the, the palace to go to his people while he's rejected and then he's rejected by his people. And, and Moses can't do what we can do where, where we look and say, well, how does, how does Moses point us to Christ? Well, Moses can't do that because he doesn't know about the Christ yet. But we sure sit in a wonderful privileged position to be able to see how Moses' life up to this point points us to Christ. We haven't even gotten to the Exodus yet. 
But we, we see how Moses merges the world of Hebrew and Egyptian. But he's really a Hebrew living in an Egyptian world. But Jesus, when he merges two worlds, he comes as God and man. He brings them together, fully God, fully man. And he brings them together in the incarnation. We see how Moses, he, he rejected the association of his, of his mother, it says, and that's just rejecting the idea that I'm no, not going to be called an Egyptian. And he, he says, I, I, I had something great. I'm going to step away from it. I reject my mother's house. Jesus comes to this world. And he goes to that cross. And when he's on that cross, he feels the rejection because he associates with us. He feels the rejection of his heavenly father when he aligns himself with sinners and he has a father that is far too holy for that, leaving him to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see Moses witnessing the burdens of his people and we see Jesus saying, come unto me, all you who are weary and tired, I will give you rest. We see Moses acting in defense of, of his brothers by killing a man. We see Jesus acting in defense of his brothers and being killed. And then as we're about to go into, we see a time of 40 in the wilderness. Moses is about to run. He's going to spend 40 years in the wilderness. And it's simply supposed to realize when it comes to Christ, he spends 40 days in the wilderness prior to his earthly ministry beginning where he leads people out of sin, out of slavery, and he leads them to freedom and to the place right next to the Father that God has promised. So Moses is about to head to the wilderness and, and for us to understand there, that there is strength to be gained, there are lessons to be learned and faith to be built that can only be accomplished in the wilderness alone with God. Listen, listen, you, you got to hear Trevor's testimony of how God was, was providing for him. He doesn't get to give that testimony if he doesn't spend weeks saying, I don't know how it's going to happen. He doesn't get to rejoice down here and say, God provided for this month. God provided. And Dave and Judy, hey Dave, thank you so much for sending money to Trevor. That was so sweet when he mentioned that. And here's what, here's what I want you to know, what he used your money for. He went and bought something yesterday because there's a guy at his work that he wanted to witness to. And they were going to go shooting guns. And Trevor said, I did not have $25 to get ammunition to go shoot guns. And he said, and I used Dave and Judy's money to go buy some ammunition so I could go shoot guns so I could invite this man to church. And he told me last night he invited him to church after they got done shooting. But he doesn't get to see, we don't get to look at the corridor of time where God shows himself faithful if we don't ever say, ah, where are you? What are you doing? How could you leave me? And so Moses leaves the palace. He leaves the presence of where his family was because no doubt his, his mother and his father uh, would have still, if they were alive, would have still been there, but he had a brother and a sister. He leaves everything to go to the wilderness. Let's read that in Exodus chapter 2, verse 15. Let's begin in verse 15, so, right? It says this. When Pharaoh heard of it, this is of Moses killing the man. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Don't, don't forget that. He sat down by a well. Verse 16. 
Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. And he said to his daughters, Then where is he? (laughs) Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. So, So picture this, right? Moses leaves Egypt. He goes to this place called Midian, and he sits at a well. Some female shepherds show up. Moses waters their flock. Apparently, they leave him, but they don't forget about him because as soon as they get home, the dad says, like, how'd you get home so early? Well, well, this guy took care of us. He's like, well, where is this guy? Like, bring him home. And he, he gives him bread to eat right away. Oh, 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 wait a second. So he's at a well where there's water in the wilderness, and now he's at a home where there's bread being provided for him. I, I sure wonder if God was trying to show Moses, hey, in the wilderness, I can provide water for you and I can provide bread for you. It's a lesson Moses is going to need to know as he leads millions across that wilderness. But he shows up and he, he's, he's, given a, he's given a wife. Now, and like immediately here's this, here's this echo. So a man shows up at a well and, and once all the animals are watered, there's a wife. Right? Remember Genesis 29. Abraham's servant shows up at a, at a well, and, and when Rebekah waters all of his, his animals, he goes, this is it? And he brings her home, and, and Rebekah and Isaac have a child, and that child's name is Jacob, whose name is later changed to Israel, and Moses is going to lead the people of Israel back, back to where Jacob's well was. Oof. And you know what this is teaching me? Hey, Moses, you might be in Egypt. You might be with your parents. It doesn't matter where you go. God's going to provide. And can I encourage you, wherever you find yourself, God's faithfully at work. And I'm not just just talking location, although that's true. Wherever you are at right now, God is is faithfully at work. And here's my encouragement. If you're tired, if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, look for the well. You say, I don't know. What, What does that even mean? Oh, the well. Jesus goes to a well in John 4, and he sits down with a woman who has been rejected, a woman who has been hated, a woman who has been pushed out and he sits and he talks with her and he says, let me tell you about living water where you'll never thirst again. And she's like, I want it. And he's like, no, it's not physical water, right? And that's the key. When we go looking for the well, when we go looking to the gospel, we find that the gospel is a well that waters everyone who is thirsty, but it doesn't just take care of your physical needs. In fact, sometimes it doesn't take care of your physical needs. There are some of you in here that you could not change your situation. You've lost a spouse. 
And you can't change that. Your heart aches because you've lost a child. You cannot change that situation. But we can drink of the gospel water from the gospel well. And we can realize that God has brought me into his family. And he loves me. And and for those of you who are widows, God calls himself a husband to you. He brings us into his family to remind us that he is our father. And he cares for us and every one of us as and are brought into one large family and God loves us and cares for us and is going to provide for us as we need it in his time and for his glory. And you know why? Because Jesus is the bread of life and he is the eternal water. When you're thirsty, go searching into the scriptures and remind yourself of the good news of the gospel. It may not change your circumstances, but I promise you, it'll change you. And you'll be able to continue to move forward. But Moses is not just given bread, and he's not just given a a wife. He's also given a son, and that son is important for two reasons. He names his son Gershom, and he, he says, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. This is an immediate echo, because do you remember the very first verse we put up in Genesis 15? That God said to Moses, your people, your offspring will be sojourners in a foreign land. We immediately see this connection, that this is Moses once again fulfilling what we know God has already said. But it's also interesting because this Studying the name of of Moses's son and what it means has led me to a conflict And I'm just being honest with you, right here. Here we go as a pastor. There's something in the Bible. I don't understand Because as i've been studying this I was trying to figure out whether moses was a sojourner in, in egypt or was he calling himself a sojourner in midian and I was trying to, trying to, you know, figure this out by using the names of other people that have been mentioned in the, in the scripture. And I like, well, he was a soldier and he, he left Midian in fear, right? Do you remember in verse 14, it said Moses was afraid? He ran to this place called Midian in fear. And, and I was reading a book earlier today and in that book, it, or earlier this week, and it, it actually said that Moses went, to, please stay with me because I don't want to lose you here. It said Moses went to Midian in faith. And I was like, well, that's not true. Moses went, and I went back to Exodus 2, and I read it and said, sure enough, like, it says he was afraid. But I also know that Moses is mentioned in Hebrews chapter number 11, and so I went there to read it, and here's what I found in Hebrews 11, verse 27. It says, by faith, he, meaning Moses, by faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. And I was like, wait a second, uh, was he afraid or was he not afraid? Did he live by fear? Did he live, leave because of fear? Did he live because of faith? And I was struggling. Obviously, the scriptures tell us he left by faith. And so I, I was like, Lord, I, I'm really struggling with this. And, and, and I'm stumped. I, I don't have the answer, and I'm telling you that. But I want to share with you what, what resonated with my heart. Was the last portion of this verse behind me. For he endured as seeing him who was invisible. I'm like, I wonder if that kind of can help me understand. So I went to that word endured, and and I looked it up, and it literally, it's the only time in the Bible this word is used. It doesn't connect to anything else. And I, but I went a little bit deeper, and I'm like, what is, what is the root of this word? The root of this word actually means strong. Strong. 
We read that Moses grew up when he was strong, when he was of age, and when he had gained in strength, he walked out to help his people. And now I'm reading that he remained strong as seeing him who is invisible. Moses saw the end, but he didn't see the end. He just saw the one that would take him there. And that was enough for him. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the king, for he endured, for he remained strong because he saw the one who is not seen. He's seeing the one who is invisible. And, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So, so God knew that, that the mission that he had waiting for Moses, he was strong at the age of 40 in Egypt, but he wasn't strong enough. Because he was strong because of his relationship to Pharaoh's House, but God needed him strong to make his because of his relationship with God's house. And so God is working on Moses, taking him out into the wilderness. And I'm just thinking, this is it. This is it. God wants me. He knows where my faith is, but he has something for me where my faith has to increase. And the only way that's ever going to happen is if he takes me to a place where I can't see him anymore, but I know that he's there. And so I follow him in faith, believing. I can't see you. You're invisible. I don't know what you're doing, but I believe in you. I don't know what you're doing, but I know who I believe in. I don't know where this is taking me, but I know who is leading me. I don't know when I'm going to get there, but I know who is leading me. Moses saw God when God couldn't be seen. And I just think, oh, how much God longs for his people to step out and follow him in faith. Because it's not until you say, I don't see where we're going, but I trust who is leading me, where your faith is actually able to grow. See, we don't see what God is doing while we're walking in the wilderness. We only see what God has done when we look back at the wilderness because remember Moses is writing from the vantage point of saying I'm looking back on my time and here's the thing Moses knows his heart I was scared to death I was afraid but when we look at it spiritually we realize that Moses although he might have had fear in his heart he had faith to follow in spite of his fear and so he's commended for it in Hebrews wow I bet you there's some of you that are scared to take a step. A step that God wants you to take. He's not going to show you the way. He's not going to show you where you're going. He's not going to show you where you're going to end up. He's only going to say, follow me. You can't see me? I'm there. Believe I'm there. I've shown myself faithful. And I want to close today by sharing how God has increased my faith. A few weeks ago, and some of you were here, some of you wouldn't, but I can't tell the whole story again. I, I read a card of a lady, Trinity, one of Trinity's teachers. She works at Luray High School. Her name is Melissa, and I've finally gotten permission to tell this story. 
Melissa's husband, his name is Chuck, he was taken to the hospital, and, and I had an opportunity to visit him at UVA, got to witness to him, and he sweetly came to place his trust in Jesus. Two weeks later, Chuck passed away. When I went to visit the home, Melissa said, I cannot begin to tell you how much it means to our family that we know where Chuck is. We know he's with the Lord. She wrote me a card, and I read that card to you all a couple of weeks ago. And what I didn't tell you is that inside of that card was a very large financial gift, a gift larger than I can ever remember receiving. And it blew me away when I opened it up. And she basically said, I can't repay you for, for what you've done. I just want to say thank you. And I was like, wow. I hadn't been praying for anything, hadn't been asking for anything. I took that card, set it aside. Starting a new story now. That was on Thursday. That was on a Thursday. On Monday, just three days later, I'm sitting in the office here at the church and my brother-in-law who lives in West Virginia, he called me and he said, hey, Brian, I know this is out of the blue, but um, we are going on a trip to the Holy Land and somebody just canceled and there's a spot to go and we'd like, we were wondering if you'd want to go. And I said, man, I'd love to go. Immediately, I said, I'd love to go. And then I said, how much is it? And he told me how much it was. And I'm like, well, I'm not looking to go now. <laughs> All right, uh, forget that. Uh, you know, we just had a wedding and Trevor's surgery, and I'm taking classes myself at Liberty, and it just, it just I don't have the money. He said, well, there's someone else to talk to. And I said, please, talk to them first. If they can't, just let me know. And in my mind, I'm like, you let me know, but I'm not going. I understand that. And um, so he said, okay. By the end of the day, he, he got back to me and said, that person cannot go. And I said, all right, I'll pray about it. I literally texted those words to him, I'll pray about it. And I was not, I didn't pray about it. Like, I don't need to pray about it. I don't have the money. Like, what's the deal? As, as you know, I, I love going up to Mount Zion behind us and praying. And I, I went to Mount Zion. That was, that was Thursday I received the card. On Monday, I heard about being able to go to the Holy Land. On Tuesday, now I'm up at Mount Zion after telling my brother-in-law, I'll pray about it. And I was up there walking around, and the Lord said, are we going to talk about this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't need to talk about anything. You need to talk about something? He said, uh, yeah. You, you for, for seven years on your prayer list has been a trip to the Holy Land. And I was like, yeah, I know that. And he said, well, there's a trip to the Holy Land. And I was like, yeah, but you know that I don't have enough money to go on this trip to the Holy Land. And immediately he said, I've already started your account. And my mind went immediately to that money that Melissa had given me and I was like, oh, all right. So I told my brother-in-law on Tuesday, I said, you give me till Wednesday at noon. I want the Lord to have a full day to tell me no. But otherwise, I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to go, but I know I got the first seed of faith money. And if I have to put on my credit card, I'll put on my credit card, but I'm going. And then, so that was Wednesday. Wednesday, my, brother called, my brother-in-law calls me 10 minutes till noon. And he's like, hey, what are you thinking? And I said, I got 10 more minutes. Like, I told the Lord he had till noon. I'm giving the Lord till noon. And he thought I was funny. I was being serious. Like, I don't, I'm giving him till noon. I told him that. I'm not going to lie to him. So at noon, I didn't know of any reason not to go. I texted him, said, I'm in. I'm in. Thursday, I went back up to Mount Zion as I, uh, I went up there to pray. And so now it was like, hey, Lord, I said yes. Now, how are we going to make this happen? 
And so as I prayed with him, I, I thought of, he gave me three names, and he, he put three names on my heart, and he said, talk to these three people. So I reached out to two of them immediately, and, and I couldn't get a hold of the third, and, and, and I just left messages for the first two and said, hey, I've got this opportunity to go to the Holy Land. I'm wondering if you would want to invest in this trip. I'm a pastor. You know that. It would, it would really help my ministry. It'd be a blessing to, to, the, to leading. And, and then I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Melissa what an absolute blessing her gift was because it was my seed of faith so i left her a voice message and i said hey i just want to tell you what your gift did for me the lord made an gave me an opportunity and i said no but as soon as i said no the lord said i i said no because of money the lord immediately said i've already started your account and i said it was you it was your gift of generosity i just said i know you've told me thank you a number of times but i want to tell you thank you she texted me back and said that's that's really neat i had heard back from one person uh, that, I, that i reached out to on thursday and wanted a little bit more information wanted to know how much the trip was and i wasn't saying how much the trip was i was just saying whatever the lord lays on your heart is fine with me on sunday morning my daughter walks up to me and she says uh, she said dad mrs mcdaniel's here and I was like, oh, great. So she went and sat with her in the back. And she, she came, had come to church. And man, many of you went over to see her. And thank you for doing that. And by the way, I'm not saying that because, just because it, she was important. But because we should, we should make sure that everybody that comes to church feels welcomed, wanted, right? And many of you knew her. So you went over and said hi to her. And like, she wasn't in a hurry to leave, though, I noticed. Finally, after everybody left, it was just Trinity, myself, my wife, and, and Melissa. And, this place had emptied out and she said uh she said hey I, i'd like to talk with you and i was like okay <laughs> when a teacher tells you they want to talk with you you know that's not usually good news right and uh thought, you know trinity's in trouble again you know those kinds of things she said we got your i got your message about um i got your message about how my gift to you was a seat of faith she said, I, I talked to my daughters yesterday. I was with my two daughters yesterday, and, and we were just kind of, uh, once again, just thinking how, how joyful we were that, that we know that Chuck is in heaven with the Lord. And she said, you know, we talked about the fact that in December, just, just before Christmas, we got a check in the mail from, from Chuck's company, and it was his Christmas bonus. And Chuck passed away. So we weren't really sure what to do with this money she said but yesterday my daughters and i decided that we wanted to pay for your whole trip to the holy land and so here you go and i took that envelope and i put it in my pocket i'm just thinking like i i said no that fast to not going because i said i can't afford it that fast i said no and if I wouldn't have gone up and, and actually spent some time with the Lord where he said, hey, what are you doing? I've made a way possible for you to go. I've already got it ready. You just got to take the step and go. And I went up the next Tuesday to, to go pray again. And as I started walking around and praying, I realized I'm going to get to walk 
on the streets where Jesus, we love getting to talk about. I'm going to get to walk on the streets that Jesus walked. And at some point, I'm going to come near the place where he stopped everybody. And he pointed to this widow who was bringing her two mites and dropping it into an offering and walking away after dropping two pennies into the offering. He stops everybody and says, that girl has just had more faith than any of the rest of you. She's given more than all of your riches combined. And I'm going to get to be near that place because a widow is sending me there. I know lots of people with money. I'm not being sent by anybody who has lots of money. I'm being sent by a widow. And that is going to make that trip so, every moment of that trip is going to be so special. Because I know I'm walking on these streets of Jerusalem because of the gift of a widow. I promise you there are people in here who God has amazing things, amazing, amazing things waiting for you. But you're like me and saying, eh, ain't gonna do it, ain't gonna happen. I can't, I can't afford to give to the church. I can't take that step of faith and speak to someone at my, my office. I, I can't have that conversation with the person I haven't spoken to in a really long time. I can't do that. And God's saying, you can't see me, but I'm here. Trust me. You may not know the way, but do you know me? And we have a God who Trevor mentioned, and it stuck out to me, but he said, God has been faithful through all the generations. Why would he fail me? Oh. You have a God who has been faithful through all the generations. Do you really think you're the one he's going to fail on? Then take the step and see the one is invisible but i'm fearful so is moses have faith in the one who is invisible would you pray with me